Hello, everybody. Welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever or wherever you join today's podcast from. And joining the podcast today is Yelma Van Ast. Yelma is the CEO and founder of Conference Compass and is joining us from Houston, Texas. So we're again transatlantic today, which we always love to be on the podcast. Yelma, welcome along. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And to put it into context, I always like to thank our guests when they've got up early in the morning to do the podcast. I'm recording this at lunchtime, just after 1pm in the UK. So Yelma's up and at them. And I think 8am Houston time, is that right? That is true. But 8am really is my usual time of being at work, having dropped off the kids at daycare, 8 o'clock sharp. So this is nothing unusual. Nothing unusual, James. Fantastic. And, um, and, and so before we get into today's um, podcast, you know, in, in detail, tell us why you're out in, in Houston at the moment. Yeah, we're here at the ICA World Congress. So ICA is the International Congress and Convention Association. So it draws association uh, conferences, organizers, and, uh, and the uh, venues, destination management companies, all to Houston for a, a four-day show. And it's really good to be here. They call it the ICA family. So I'm officially part of the ICA family now. And it truly feels like a bunch of friends uh, to uh, new friends, friends and, uh, and people I've, I've met before. Really nice to be here. And uh, that's, that's, that's great. And I hope things are going well for you out there. And uh, as I said at the start of the episode, when I introduced Yelma as our guest, Yelma is the CEO and founder of Conference Compass. And um, for those of you who were um, at uh, Event Tech Live uh, recently, you probably would have seen some, some branding and, and maybe some of our podcast guests will already be familiar with them. But um, Yelma, t- tell us a little bit about Conference Compass and, and what it is that, uh, that you guys do there. Yeah, sure. So uh, we've started Conference Compass in 2010. Um, so quite some time ago, really focused on making conference apps. And at the time, I think we're one of the three companies that started pioneering this. Uh, a couple of years later, it was the industry, the event app industry was a, like a booming industry. Mm. And, and we've, we've, been for the, we've been in for the ride uh, ever since and, uh, and remain focused on making conference apps. So I think that's a good distinction. So we, we are an event app company, but really focused on the association conferences where abstracts are an important thing. The program is very complicated. Mm. It's all about tracks, topics, uh, chairs, co-chairs, and the whole you know, structure of that program. And that's what we are specialized in, to do, make this accessible to the attendee. Now, that's, it. that's interesting. You've raised a couple of interesting points already there, which is that um, obviously the company is called Conference Compass. And you said that specifically you focused on providing apps and a platform for conference organizers to, to help convey their content by the sounds of things. And um, the other thing that you mentioned is that, that there was a huge boom in app companies. And lots of those app companies for event apps tried to create something that was that um, they wanted it to have the ability to service any type of event. But as we know in the events industry, events are such a broad spectrum, you know, a, a concert with a band is a live event, but a business conference with a load of guys from a pharmaceutical company is also an event. And it, it, you guys have therefore made a very conscious decision to focus on the conference side of things. That's very true. And it's, it wasn't perhaps like a clear decision and we've stuck with that decision. It was a ride. It's still a ride. And it's, it's always been a, um, you know, there are forces that, that, uh, that pull you to say, well, let's widen up. Let's make the apps not just for conferences, but for trade shows and, 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 and corporate events. And time and time again, we've, we've seen, we've realized, we've experienced that, you know, we, we can win proper clients if we focus 
on doing one thing really well. And that's what we're trying to do. So that is really conferences and the, and the associations uh, that run, uh, run those conferences. And that's a really interesting, um, and, and to me, a, a train of thought that I would advocate, you know, pick one thing and do it really, really well. Because if you're trying to, to make, particularly with a tech platform of any description, if you're trying to make it suitable for a number of different uses, generally what I found in my own experience is that you are having to dilute what you're able to do with it because you're having to make it suitable for a number of different uses. Um, it, it, with the conference side of things, what elements of your own platform have you had to develop or have you seen opportunities develop because you're focused on the conference side of things? Yes, sure. So, so perhaps it's helpful to, to give a little timeline. Um, mm. uh, actually, here at the ICA Congress yesterday, I've presented this timeline as well. So it's, it's very, uh, very in the front of my, uh, of yeah, my brain. Topical. The topical, yes. So, uh, so when we started in 2010, really we set out to replace the printed program. It was the heavy right. book of abstracts and literally those things were very heavy. Uh, I personally went to conferences as a, when I was doing my PhD research, just speaking at conferences. And then, you know, many of my colleagues were throwing away these books at the end of the uh, editing show because you, you don't want to carry that back home. Um, so we set out to replace the printed book. And that's really in the, I would say, early days, the few, first couple of years, maybe until 2012 or 13. That's, uh, I think, that uh, you could say the, the, the key selling point. Uh, mm. Replace the printed program and, and make it interactive. But then came the in-session interaction. So going beyond just replacing the printed program, make sessions more interactive, allow people to vote on, on topics, speakers raise, uh, to ask questions through the app, uh, instead of raising their hands and having to speak in public. You know, it's a very fearful exercise for, for many people to stand up in a big room and, and ask a question. So that, to lower that threshold. So the all in-session interaction was something, I think in 2014, 15, was like the big thing. And then came networking, um, the more in participant engagement part of it, the chat uh, functionalities, uh, matchmaking, uh, gamification for um, uh, in certain apps. I think that was more of like the, the third wave of features uh, and all three waves are relevant to conferences. And I would say the first two waves are perhaps the most important one still, mm -hmm. because in my experience, conferences, they are, well, with all respect, a little slow yeah. uh, in, uh, in, in, in changing their habits in adapting new technologies. And we have still many customers who, do, who don't have the chat functionality activated simply because they're not ready for that kind of a, uh, engagement between participants they they're hesitant absolutely and and, and i'm curious to to ask when you talk about the replacement of the old-fashioned printed materials so somebody would be given a you know a, a 16 or a you know 20 32 page document you know with all the the information there about the conference um, it's much larger james much let me let me show you the the printed program for the for the for the cardiology conference was this thick it's like a, a, a four centimeters thick book it's 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 thousands of pages <laughs> well, the, uh, uh, leaving aside the the sheer cost uh, and logistics yeah. involved in producing that what i'm what i wanted to ask is from an adoption point of view if you give everybody attending your conference a copy of that they're all going to pick one up and they're all going to take it so yeah. it's probably a hundred percent use in terms of how many delegates you've got and how many delegates then pick up a copy of that um uh, of that information the, the 
the use of apps, there is, uh, it's not going to always be that level, is there? Are there still projects that you're working on where clients are actually still having to encourage their delegates to actually utilize an app as opposed to a printed, um, a printed brochure or printed information? Oh, definitely. I think that's a very good, very good point you're raising because uh, you would maybe expect that by now, let's say the end of the decade, where it was the decade of the event apps, we're at the end of the, of the decade. And by now you would perhaps imagine that all conferences are paperless. It's not true. Yeah. Um, and it's a slow adoption. Um, I think we're seeing now 75% of the attendees uh, to download the app. So that's, well, for starters, that's not 100%. And it's not even 75% for all of our, uh, the conferences we run. It's really about how the organizer decides to uh, position it. Um, do they still have an alternative on the side printed, which yeah. in, I think in all cases they have, uh, not the, the thick printed abstract book, the thick printed program, but just a program at a glance mm. uh, and how they communicate that. Um, and also how they, 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 uh, they, I think from a strategic point of view, decide to go paperless to make a bold statement. We've had customers make that bold statement already in 2012. And we all have other customers who are still not making that, that statement. So it is a, a slow moving industry, I would say. And it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? That over the, uh, I've spoke to people myself who've said that, that you know, they don't want to invest the cost in a mobile app or, or you know, right. uh, in, in taking their content digitally because, you know, they, they, oh no, it's too expensive for me to do that. But the other argument that, that I've seen is that once you've gone past year one, you're, you're, you, you know, it's there, it's ready to go. It's, it's tweaking it. You know, the, the, the big investment I think with anything like this comes in the first year of utilizing it. You have to prepare content. You're preparing it in a different way than you're used to before. So there's a time investment as well as a financial investment. But I think that once you've gone beyond that, when you add up the cost of printing material and what it costs now to print it, coupled with the carbon footprint that, that that then generates, which is something that people have a really big eye on nowadays, especially in the events industry, the, the cost of actually shipping it from the printers to the actual destination of the, the event. I think once you take all those factors in, the argument to actually taking things digital via an app now is actually, I think, far outweighs what it was at the beginning of, of its life, you know, as, as an app, which is a, as a luxury item. People saw it as a luxury item. Really, and, and, and perhaps even just for the sake of having it because uh, everyone else around them started having, uh, having event apps. And uh, it's that initial, uh, I think, cost of adoption, the, 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 indeed the effort it requires to make a proper screening of what's out there to make a conscious decision of which platform, which app to choose for, for the long term. Because like you said, you're uh, hoping that you're gonna put in some investment in your own time and hours. Uh, in the first year, which then in the second year, you know, starts paying itself back, which you can reuse the templates you've set up, reuse the, the connections you've been setting up to, to pull the data in, to get yeah. everything more smoothly. That initial cost, I think that's, that has been preventing uh, organizers from making that move. Um, because, you know, then you'll have double, you'll bear double costs. You've end the print program and you have the app. I think that it requires a sort of a foresight, a long-term uh, thinking, long-term strategy to make the move to go there. That, 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 uh, you raise another interesting point, which is that, again, in the early days of event apps, you know, there, there were organizers who would use an event app provider in you know, one year, and then the next year they would go to a different one, and then the next year to a different one. And oh, yeah. 
the, the problem there is not just having to, you're having to redevelop the content every year to make it suitable for that particular provider. But when you're trying to get an audience to adopt a new way of interacting and a new way of thinking and a new way of finding out about show content and conference content, you're not making it easy for them by giving them a different app every year because they might get used to navigating around an app one year and then they come back next year and they've got to find that they've got to start the whole process again to find out how to use it, and get the most from it. So it, it, do, you, do you find it, it's a key part of your business working with new clients, particularly to tell them that they really need to see this as a long-term investment, that if they're going to go with Conference Compass, they need to look at it over three, four, five years rather than just one year provider. Definitely. That's, that's always what we're aiming for. We are in here uh, like for the long run. So we have... Uh, had this focus for the last nine years and we're not going to lose that focus mm. um, so we are committed for the long term and we are looking for customers who are equally committed you know to introduce this and build from it i mean because that's the other thing like it's the the initial introduction that's you know an effort uh, although we try to of course make that effort as, as, as low as possible from the, from the from the customer's perspective but then you can start building from there you can start introducing new features I mean, we continue developing, but also the full suite of features we have don't have to be activated at the very first you know, event. Can yeah. gradually come because it's not about pushing features in attendees faces. It's about having a clear objective of what you want to achieve with the app and then making a plan, a proper plan in time of how you're going to you know, get your users, your attendees, your delegates to get accustomed and to use it properly. For instance, the in-session interaction so uh, that's not just a feature you put in the app. That's mm. um, a workflow. It's, it's not even a workflow. It's a journey, uh, including the speaker, the chair, the organizer, the audience, the, the AV uh, people. That is not just a feature in the app. It's, it's the whole thing to make it a success. Uh, and that's just one example of how we always advise customers to, to take it easy, actually, to just do things well and properly, I guess, like we do, right? And then move from there to... Uh, to build it and have you seen i'll take uh the older generation to call it that for want of a better phrase the older generation um but as as the as consumers as a whole have become more familiar with utilizing mobile technology you know when when the iphone first came out and and uh Apple were, were promoting the app store. You can get apps. And everyone said, well, what's an app? You know, so the, for the first two years, it, there was this actual, people had to get their head around using an app and what it was and what it did. And we're now well beyond that stage now where people understand, you know, what it is. Um, you, have you able, been able to track through your own platform how much use the platforms are getting simply as a result of people becoming more familiar with using mobile technology? Uh, yes, definitely. There's the, the, obviously the whole analytics suite behind it that, 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 that customers use to track that kind of stuff and we do ourselves as well. I think there's one other thing that's maybe even more important. Like, as you say, like apps, obviously, I mean, that's been out there for a long time. Everybody knows apps. Everybody uses their mobile phone. I think right now about three or four hours a day, uh, most of the time is spent in apps. 90% of the time is spent in apps, 10% of the browser. So apps, I mean, everyone knows it, obviously. It's now down to being critical about, am I, am I actually going to install this app? Is this app going to add any value to me? Is it going to be a waste of my time? Is it going to be cluttering my phone? 
Um, and I think that's the key thing. So it's uh, to prove the value to the delegates that this is actually an app that will not be in their way and not be an annoyance and a nuisance and, and something that distracts them from experiencing the, the, the conference to the mm -hmm. fullest. But it's actually something that's helping them. And that is a trust you need, to, like with anything, trust needs to, to build. And you can easily lose trust, you know, if you, if you do it wrong. So again, this is a, it's a long-term thing. It's about it's, showing bit by bit the added value. And it's interesting how protective people are when it comes to the real estate of their screen space on mm -hmm. their mobile phone. You know, people will have items of clothing in the backs of their wardrobes and in and their closets that mm -hmm. have been in there for years that they never wear anymore. They will have tins of food in the backs of their kitchen cupboards that have been there for years that, that, that they'll probably never get to using. And yet, if there's an app on their phone that they've not really used in the last couple of weeks because they don't see any value in it, they'll delete it and get rid of it. Because, you know, that, that's t as far as they're concerned, that's taking up space on their, on their device. It could, it could be replaced with something that's going to add better value. So it's an interesting way that we, we've adopted this technology and how sort of protective we are and how personal we make that space on these devices. Yeah, that's right. Uh, at the same time, uh, the devices are getting you know, bigger in terms of, uh, of, of data that you can store. It's not really a problem as it used to be to have uh, to, to remove an app because you need the space. Mm. Um, I have plenty of apps on my phones that I never use, uh, but it, I think it's, it's making me actually more critical knowing that there are so many apps on my phone that I'm not using. Like, yeah. shall I download this app or not? Um, it's, it's an interesting thing. I think the statistics say that people on average use five to six apps regularly, only five to six apps. And I think, you know, I use my, my LinkedIn, my, my email app, my calendar, my WhatsApp, and uh, that's probably it. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so, I, I, you could perhaps even say that people are now being used to, to, come to, 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 to phones and to, to, to iPads very well. It's more about how you use it than just, you know, for the thrill of it, um, explore everything there is to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, when it comes to, I suppose, to developing then your, your content and how you develop things, is there a, a period of time as running a business like yours where things slow down? So you have that initial sort of explosion of a new product and feedback from clients, development, development, development. Is there a period where it grows very, very quickly or things develop really, really quickly with the platform and then they slow down a little bit and it becomes a little bit more of a, a longer analytical process to decide what is a good change and what is a good update to make? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I mean, there's this clear cycle of conferences, of our, of our, of our customers' conferences, uh, but that's a cycle that goes, let's say, asynchronous from the cycle of, of, of development and innovation. Right. Um, I mean, we have a roadmap that can stretch until maybe 2025. 20, right. Um, I mean, no roadmap will extend that far because the world will change before, but like, we have no uh, lack of, uh, of ideas and, and, and things. It's about prioritizing them, listening to customers, adapting the roadmap as you go. Uh, basically looking, we're trying to look like a quarter or two quarters ahead and, and not more than that and adapt as we go. Mm -hmm. So it's, 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 it's pretty much a constant pace of development. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to our customers, um, like we've been talking about conference apps, but um, 
our customers are the associations mostly that run those yes. conferences. Yes. And those associations have more than one conference a year. So there is with, with most of our, our association customers, it's not just a burst of uh, activity around one event, but there are a number of conferences throughout the year, mm -hmm. uh, all in one app, uh, which turns it into a more of a continuous process uh, instead of a, you know, one burst of, of activity. Sure. And, and has connect, how has connectivity influenced or shaped what you've done in terms of what you can put actually in the platform? Because connectivity, without a doubt, is improving very, very rapidly. You know, every year we have better 4G, we've got 5G on the way. So cellular connectivity is improving you know, the quality of the connection that you get with the devices themselves improves whenever they bring out new models of devices. Wi-Fi connections in venues are so much better now than they were five and 10 years ago. Um, has the quality and the speed of connection that people can now get on their devices also influenced and, and helped guide what you can then do with the platform? Yes, for sure. Um, I mean, for starters, the uh, 4G allows me in Europe to to use my phone with my data plan uh, like anywhere but now i'm in houston i have to be conscious about this again yeah. so i've i think i'm with vodafone i think i pay like maybe eight euro per day for 100 yeah. megabytes of data but when i go beyond that i think it's like four euro per additional megabyte it's crazy yeah. so i'm very conscious like i never worry about this but i've consciously like, switched off which apps can and which apps cannot use cellular data mm -hmm. so all of a sudden i'm back like maybe uh, eight years in time when I was worrying about this stuff in Europe and uh, or in my own country. And yeah, yeah. the Wi-Fi of the venue here in Houston is, it's, it's absolutely critical. Without it, I'm, I'm not connected. And that means that the app, um, especially for international conferences where, I mean, there's always a, a whole bunch of users who are in that, you know, in that situation, yeah. whether they're Americans being in, in Europe or the other way around, um, that, the Wi-Fi needs to support uh, the connectivity uh, you know, requirements, but the other way around, the app needs to be powerful enough so that it can serve the most important things, even offline. And then obviously the things that are connecting, requiring connectivity, like chats or in-session interaction, push notifications, updates. I mean, yes, they do require internet connection, but we try always to make an effort to keep that um, level of, of data requirement, like the speed, data speed, um, mm. bandwidth requirements as low as possible. That, that's really interesting you've said that because it's a, it's a brilliant answer, you know, and what I was, but perhaps what I was expecting you to say is, oh yes, we've been able to add loads of great new features that allow video and, you know, because the connections are much better. I had never considered the flip side to that, which is, as you rightly point out, international visitors you know, will be getting charged an awful lot of money to be able to use their data through their mobile provider whilst they're abroad. They rely on the Wi-Fi in the venue. So actually, as you point out, actually making it um, as minimal as possible whilst maintaining the quality of content it, it, it is something that perhaps maybe other people have not considered. Uh, perhaps. I mean, we are so conscious of it because these conferences are international, mm. mostly. And uh, the venues, although... The, the Wi-Fi is way, way better than, than years ago. It's still in the, for instance, the rush hours around registration, it's still not capable of handling uh, all those attendees connecting at the same time. So that's like number of connections to their, to their uh, routers. But sure. at the same time, where the Wi-Fi bandwidth increased, also the data usage increases. So users are not shy to keep on you know, 
video calling, uh, FaceTiming their, uh, their, their spouses back home. So also like the app is maybe a small part in that, that, that whole, uh, you know, band three requirement. It's everything else the attendees do that puts a strain on the Wi-Fi, which in turn, you know, limits, for instance, if you want to view a video through the app or if you want to send a message that you're experiencing a delay. So we're conscious of that. We're mindful to make sure that the app like works regardless of that yeah. stuff. And for us, if the app doesn't work or if, the, if, well, let me put it this way. If you send a message to a colleague or, or an appointment request, which you can do for apps, then, and, and, and it takes uh, maybe a minute for the message to arrive or it arrives um, like half an hour later because the, the, the connection dropped and it reestablished half an hour later, then people are looking at the app as not functioning well. So yeah. we, and especially our customers, they don't want to, to, to have the success of the app rely on things that are very, very hard to control, like how people are using their YouTube, uh, FaceTime, FaceTime the WhatsApp yeah. video call. Yeah, absolutely. So, and at the same time, you're very right. Yes, uh, compared to every year, like uh, more of our customers uh, decide to use the connectivity features, even though they've been in the app as features for, for a long time now. Mm -hmm. uh, clearly, a trend is that more and more customers are actively doing in-session voting and, and, and Q&A through the app that are enabling the users to, the attendees to connect and to, to send messages that are uh, putting the live streams of the, uh, of the sessions in the app. Uh, that was possible five years ago. That's, I think, because of the, the Wi-Fi uh, improvements, it's, it's becoming uh, like more, more and more used. Fantastic. We're, um, we're coming towards the end of time on today's podcast, but before we go, um, Yelm, um, um, you mentioned at the, the start of today's episode that you're at the ICA Congress in Houston in Texas. And um, I'm curious to know, is, is this for, for you as a company, is this um, a, a sales opportunity? Is it a networking opportunity? Are you using this as, a, as an educational trip of your own to find out what's happening you know, across the globe in conferences? You know, what, what are you finding out about whilst you're over there? Yeah, so it's mostly relation building, networking, meeting new people and you know, strengthening uh, uh, existing relations. It's about learning. There are, there are loads of sessions, very interesting sessions, parallel sessions, so you have to make decisions where to go like mm -hmm. with any conference. Um, I'm making tons of notes, so it's very inspirational, but it also fuels then proper discussions with other attendees afterwards, not about my product or how we could be of uh, use to their no, to their challenges, you know, this typical sales call, what are your challenges, yeah. uh, work from there. But um, no, to have uh, proper conversations about leadership, about trends in, in, in events, about bidding, about everything that comes to organizing an event. And for us, it's crucial to, you know, we're in this for the long run. We are in this because we hope to connect with customers who will stay with us for the long run. So it's Absolutely. crucial that we build that level of trust, that we understand that really, really, really well. You know, better than the competition. You know, that's a chance for us. We get to to understand the customer uh, just a little bit better than anyone else. We can we can help them better when it uh, when it comes to it. And that's why we are here. And it's really what the what the, what the conference is all about. We've been um, we've been talking on today's podcast to Yelma Van Aast. Yelma is the CEO and founder of Conference Compass, and as I said, joins us from the um, ICA conference over at Houston, Texas. Um, an early morning podcast guest for us today, and uh, Yelma, thanks very much for for taking the time out of what sounds like a very busy schedule to talk to us today. No problem. Thank you, James, for having me.
And um, before we uh, before we sign off, um, if people want to find out a little bit more about uh, Conference Compass and what it is that you guys do, how do they how do they find you on the uh, on the internet? Well, the obvious channels on the, on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube. Just search for Conference Compass, and you'll find us. Uh, conferencecompass.com is our website, and I'm sure uh, this will all be in the show notes as well. Absolutely, it will be. Yes, and uh, yeah, thanks very much for uh, for joining us, and thanks very much again. As I said at the top of the episode, to Universal Live, um, I'm set up with the podcast uh, studio at the headquarters of Universal Live up in Bradford in the UK, and we're going to be recording all of today's episodes from there that will go out in the next few weeks, um, including uh, an episode with the guys from Universal Live about some of the stuff that they're up to at the moment, and talking a little bit about uh, content content creation and development. Um, so thanks to them. If you're watching today's episode of the podcast on eventindustrynews.com. Don't forget that you can go over to your chosen podcast platform and listen to audio versions of all of the previous podcasts. If you are listening to today's podcast, don't forget that you can go in the opposite direction. Head over to eventindustrynews.com, check out video versions of all the podcasts, as well as the latest features, special news, and uh, breaking news within the events industry via eventindustrynews.com. Com. It brings us to the end of today's episode. I will thank once again today's guest, Yelma Van Aast from Conference Compass. My name's James Dixon, and we'll see you on the next edition of the Event Industry News Podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye.